0: Dantic Hand Wavium, the podcast that tries to explain fictional worlds using science. I'm Simon. And I'm Jeff. So Jeff, if you could have one superpower, Mm -hmm. what would it be?
1: Uh, Probably to turn into terrifying animals.
0: Specifically, does it have to be terrifying animals or could you also turn into like i don't know a pug
1: uh well maybe (laughs) a chicken with phoenix plumes but that's about it
0: okay (laughs) uh yeah so so there's a book series that I, i know and and you might also know um
1: you might know me or the listener
0: uh you jeff the person i'm talking to
1: okay that's good, that's, because I was confused.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess I am talking to a larger group than just one. Also, you, the listener, might know, it's the Animorphs. You know, those good old books from the 90s about five American teens who could turn into animals?
1: Sure. <laughs> that sounds like a thing.
0: Yeah, so, so basic premise is five American teens find a dying alien...
1: All right, good start.
0: Yeah, and the alien gives them a little box, and they all touch it. And when they touch it, they gain the power to turn into any animal that they have touched.
1: Oh, is that how that works? I thought they could only turn into a one animal. mm I mean, other than human, of course.
0: <laughs> <laughs> So, so they can turn into anything that has DNA, um, okay. and they store that DNA. So they can be like, I have a tiger form or a chimpanzee form, but or a they, tardigrade form. Or, or yeah, I guess actually, if you had like fungi on your hands, you could turn to fungi or like bacteria. How would that work? Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone does that. Anyway, uh,
1: maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe it has to be like eukaryote. Animals. Eukaryotic? Yeah, I don't yeah. think they
0: turn into anything that's not a eukaryote. Mm-hmm. I don't even think they turn into fungi or plants. I think they only turn into animals. So maybe it also has to have like a similar cellular structure
1: or nervous system.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I do think they turn to bugs.
1: Ah, well, there goes that idea. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for shooting another one down, Simon. Sorry, sorry.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they definitely turn to invertebrates. Because they turn to starfish. Yeah.
1: Okay, I'm sure there was a purpose that. That suited.
0: I think, actually, there wasn't. I think one of the women... They were just testing it out? Yeah, it was like, hey, this would be cool if I was a starfish. And then she gets cut in half, and there's two of her. And they each have, like, different parts of her personality. Because, you know, that's how that works. Mm, Okay. (laughs) Uh, Yeah,
1: so one got left brain, and one got right brain. And they're really leaning into that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Remember how I was saying that this book is pretty much the equivalent of the Richard Feynman lectures on quantum electrodynamic theory in terms of science. Did you say that? <laughs> yeah. You don't remember that? <laughs>
1: uh, no, I must have zoned out.
0: <laughs> yeah. So so this – well, I found, listener, while I was listening to this, while I was researching for this, that a lot of the parts of this book – aren't so much actually like science fiction as much as they're just like plot development.
1: Mm. Okay.
0: Which makes sense because it's a book, which is a thing (laughs) Jeff said to me before this when I brought that up to him. He
1: was like... Yeah, so rather (laughs) than making something that is plausible, they made a plot and then turned them into starfish instead. Yeah. the, The five American children.
0: Yeah, or... Or they found kind of, like, cop-outs, like, it's an android, and you're like, okay, so it's a robot that just is really advanced. Oh,
1: no, the kids aren't murdering anybody. They're just robots. Oh, it's no, no, fine. Oh,
0: no, 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 they're definitely murdering. They, like, actually murder people, <laughs> which is kind of cool, but, you know. Anyway, so this was, like, a right. like a Pulp Fiction kind of style book. Like, it came out in a whole bunch of different, very small volumes. I think there's, like, 51 mm-hmm. of them, maybe more. I don't know.
1: 51 with like 25 different authors or was it actually nope. the same author? It's
0: one. It's one author. She does everything. Huh. All right. And then there's like a whole bunch of like spinoffs. We're going to include the spinoffs just to include more stuff.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Because it I mean it, I was actually scraping where to find things in this book that needed to be addressed. However.
1: Because most of it's pretty spot on. Right.
0: Yeah. Oh it's Exactly. Well, because it's cop-outs and they're not fun. Like androids are not fun to explain. They can exist. They almost do exist.
1: Yeah, they basically are very close.
0: Um. Yeah. So, so the main bad guy in this world is mm-hmm. a type of parasite called a ye-yerk. Okay. And and what yerks do is. Mm-hmm. They go in through your ear, into your brain, and then they can control, like, your motor functions, and they can use your senses and things like that.
1: So are they like a flatworm, or are they like cordyceps, or how do they do?
0: I think more like a flatworm. I think think they're supposed to. They're described as, like, grayish worms, grayish slugs. Mm, mm -hmm. So, question...
2: Mm-hmm.
0: How do they do this? I mean, it's, it's expressly described that the, the human beings inside of the body can mm-hmm. still think. So they're trapped in their own body. Okay. But they can't control anything.
1: Can they eventually get control back? Yes
0: they can uh,
1: well there goes the separating <laughs> the spinal cord idea.
0: <laughs> well, so I was also that's what I was thinking too. I was thinking like what if they what if they somehow like hijacked the the spinal cord because then you have a lot you you can kind of sift through the information that's coming into the mm-hmm. body. The Oh, actually, that's an
1: idea. Yeah, they just um like override like the brain signals with louder signals.
0: Ooh. Yes. I do like that. Yeah. Especially if you do it like so the neurotransmitters that are used to control movement and control like a lot of the a lot of the body. Mhm. The idea I have is is that if they overproduce that more than the human can, the humans mm-hmm. uh production of those things will
1: diminish. Oh, actually. Or, um... For, like, neurotransmission, chemical transmission, they produce... Uh, like, the the parasite produces something that... Uh, otherwise blocks uh, reception of those signals.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, um... Also a chemical... Like, so... It becomes an intermediary, uh, blocking the human chemical yeah. and can transmit
0: the the alien chemical. And so and so with the human beings, actually there's part of the book where human beings get like tired out, like they can only fight back for so long before they just become docile. Mhm. Maybe that is when the Equilibrium in the brain has reached a point where everything that's producing all of those chemicals mm-hmm. is just withered and dead. Because it thinks it's yeah, it think there's too it thinks there's too much of that chemical in the system, but there's really none of it. hmm That makes sense. Or
1: at least me. none useful. Yeah.
0: The the question is though, how how do they get access to what are those things called, like sight and taste and things like that? Senses. How do they get? <laughs> How do they get access to the senses? Because the senses are, they're, they're, they're not. They don't go through the spinal cord, and they're not right. really. They're not as driven, I think, chemically driven, as you get with movement. Right. Or maybe they are. Um... But I feel like it's still tough because you have to you have to have a system. It has to go through the brain. Like sight has to go through mm-hmm. the brain to be sight.
1: Right. Yeah. So how does the parasite intercept those signals?
0: Yeah. Or or does the parasite not intercept those signals and instead can compute. See the problem is, is that like if the year can take over anything that has a brain which is kind mm-hmm. of in the in the books like even alien brains how is it going how is it taking in drastically different information and being able to be like oh this information is sight this information is taste
1: yeah um that is a good point because they would be likely handled very differently, like the signals, the yeah, input yeah. would be handled very differently. Yeah. Um. I think maybe because there would be like just too many different ways that uh, those inputs could potentially be coming in from different, you know, aliens or animals that they're taking over. Mm-hmm. Um. It's not necessarily the host's senses. That the parasite is using. Uh, it has some. Retention of its own. Senses externally.
0: So the thing is, is that. It's, it's specific that the Yirks. Actually have. Almost no senses. In their, in oh, their natural habitat. so form.
1: it is entirely reliant. Yeah. Huh.
0: It, it, it pretty much only has like sense of. Like in their natural habitat. Yirks pretty much have like. A sense of I think touch. And they just float mm-hmm. around it in pools and mate, and that's pretty much it. And then they wait for more intelligent creatures to walk by, and then they infect them. Or, or not more right. intelligent, but more. Uh, what's the word? Sentient. Yeah, not even sentient. Just, just things Sapient. with. But it's not. It doesn't have to do with like a level of intelligence because they are uh, intelligent, sentient creatures. It has more to do with things that have a body and have senses, unlike the years. So more just complicated, probably more complex creatures to come by mm, and they mm-hmm. can hijack that. So I'm wondering if what is what is something that's got to be completely. I mean, I mean, so we can assume sound and sight mm-hmm. are probably going to be based on the same, in every, or what we would call sound and sight, are going to be based in every creature the same. Like, it's going to be light waves, and it's going to be sound Mm -hmm. waves. Right. Yeah. Even if you have something like sonar, which bats can see, that's really hearing that's being used Mm -hmm. to do spatial reasoning.
1: Yeah, well, this shoe's still... You know, it's unloading all of the sense processes on the host brain. Yeah. And it has to pick up those signals. And, you know, an alien brain would handle those differently than a human brain, potentially.
0: Yeah. What, what So, yeah.
1: yeah, it's really difficult to, like, how would it, 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 it would have to interface with the human what, brain, what, or what, with some brain.
0: What I'm seeing is, is that the Year is really like a Linux operating system. And it can interface with both Windows and Mac computers by like Mm -hmm. wine wrapping and doing whatever that does to do Mac. I don't know why you would do that with a Linux system, but, (laughs) but maybe that's how it is. Maybe it finds the most general interaction. So it finds like the binary of the sensory system. Mm -hmm. And it has to, it it is essentially just a brain. It's not, it has very little motor function Mm -hmm. and it's really just a brain. So it has the processing power to take in a lot of senses and then, you know, be able to use them.
1: Okay, yeah, just for whatever reason, it specialized in having, you know, the kind of generic ability to access those rather than having them yeah, itself.
0: And, and maybe even accessing the the physical structure, so like an eye, rather than accessing the optic, the optic part of the mm, brain, mm-hmm. which is in the back of the head, and right. and then just taking in whatever... It probably has to do some amount of, like, creative problem solving to be Mm -hmm. like, how do I compress this into something that makes sense? But then once it does that, it really just learns, like, oh, so when I see this, that's a television. When I see this, that's a dog. When I see this, Mm -hmm. that's a – and it's – so it's not so much that it's seeing, like, we would be seeing where it's been processed by the brain, but it's processing it all within itself, that's not what I would say, mm-hmm. and I really like my Linux. Uh... <laughs> yeah,
1: that did actually really help to uh, yeah to frame it.
0: Yeah, if you like, like if you think about it, like computer compression. Um, mm-hmm. That's how I I was thinking about it. Like, it's just raw data, and then and when you compress it, that's usable yeah. by all mm-hmm. computers.
1: And so when it sees, you know, pattern X Y or Z, it knows that it is. You know, a dog or a television yeah. or a another person. Yeah, so you have yeah. to
0: assume that it's going to learn how to see and identify things kind of like humans, babies. Right. So that was the yirk Now, the mm-hmm. yirk are fighting against a race called the Andalites. Now, the okay. Andalites are a lot less problematic Because, well, they don't take over... They don't hijack people. Yeah, and actually, kudos to this writer. Mm -hmm. What's her name? K.A. Applegate? K.J. Applegate? K something, 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 something? Uh, I don't know. I have it it open. K.A. Applegate. It is K.A. Applegate. Yeah, so the Andalites are like this more technology-based race... Mm-hmm. Or like the more more scientific based race that are so the 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 problematic thing is is that they're like they have like a body of a deer they look like a chimera actually from like mythology like they okay. have a, mm-hmm. a body of a deer the tail of a scorpion then the torso of a human um but with a face okay. that's like got no mouth got a weird nose. And then eye stalks. So the reason—All right,
1: those seem like very different things, and I don't know why they would have all of them.
0: But that's the thing. That what I like about it is that at least it's not an alien that looks exactly like a human. And actually, a lot of the aliens in Mm, this mm -hmm. aren't supposed to look like things that are like easy, easily recognizable as earthly. However, this does look earthly. (laughs)
1: I mean, yeah, aside from having all uh, earth animal parts It is not hominid
0: And that's really a refreshing thing Right What kind of creature would need I'm assuming speed, maybe, from the deer body? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm But also need to be upright it seems like and it's... And
1: to be able to sting things.
0: But it's not... So it's it's more like a scythe. Less like a stinger. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's still terrifying. Right? But I feel like the worst place to put a defense mechanism is on your butt. Mm-hmm. Right. Unless you're the size of a scorpion. Because it's not the length of a scorpion tail. It's like the length of a normal like horse's tail.
1: Okay. I mean, like, it can still, like, shoot around the side of them for defense, though. I would yeah?
0: assume. I don't know. I feel like mm. it makes way more sense to have it, like... Uh, maybe maybe this is, you know... I maybe Yeah, I should... like if
1: it was anywhere else. Or, you know, in front of you where you can see what it's doing.
0: Yeah, maybe this is just me, you know, showing my privilege as a person on Earth. <laughs> With front-facing <laughs> eyes. <laughs> With front-facing <laughs> eyes. Um... But that seems bad design. I mean, I guess a lot of things in you know life are. Well, bad design. I mean, yeah,
1: you don't know what conditions are on their planet, so maybe there's oh, some reason oh, for it. I guess. Oh, I oh don't do know. you know what the conditions are?
0: <laughs> I, I might. I, I might. I just gotta find it. So the Andalites. Hmm. I. I. I I love all of the artwork for this because it, it's it's so weirdly CGI'd. It's great. I love it. Mm-hmm. Like it uses real humans as a lot of the stuff, but it's just it's just weird. Um, you know what? I have oh, Andalite homeworld right here.
1: Oh hey, we found it. Terrifying place
0: made only of <laughs> scorpion stingers. This is one thing I will like. I really, really like the fact that the Andalite homeworld is in the same galaxy as our own. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, like, but, like, just for, like, I time... mean, it's going to take forever to get <laughs> from
1: their planet to ours, but at least it's not a different galaxy. Well, that's
0: one of the things we've got to explain. Um, nope, it says that there really isn't anything... Oh! Ooh! Oh my god, I totally forgot. Andalites are also telepathic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, they didn't have a mouth, so clearly...
0: Of course. How else? I thought that was just implied yeah. when you
1: said they didn't have a mouth.
0: Um. Yeah, that's tough. Mm-hmm. Um.
1: Maybe the scorpion tail is just a fashion thing at this point. Like it did serve a purpose, but now it's just you know the biggest, like girthiest tail is just uh, like a status symbol.
0: Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Hmm. But I feel like, I mean, like I'm trying to think of like a human analog to that, and I don't know if humans. I mean, I guess we get like piercings and things, but we don't grow an extra appendage. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's um, I mean, I mean, go oh, ahead, like a mark of on.
1: nobility or something, you know?
0: Oh, so you're saying more like um, like a beard? Sure. Like yeah, um, yeah. That's not a. That was kind of an opening. Yeah, it's still not like great. I mean. The way that human societies have found very specific phenotypes to be uh, like a mark of a higher status.
2: Mm, mm-hmm.
0: So like in a lot of um, Indian castes, there's really specific kind of looks that people have, like jaw shapes, nose shapes, things like that. Mm, that okay. kind of indicate that they're from a higher class. And you get that a lot, I guess, probably in like I don't know, I can only think of it in in that context but but I know what you're saying and and i think I think that might work. Are you saying that that normal normal creatures have just like normal tails?
1: well, not necessarily like normal tails, but out oh, some mark that they assign some particular value to, like. Oh, it's a different color, or they're longer, or they're like more chitinous. I don't know.
0: But that doesn't really explain why they have the tail that... Well, but, I mean, okay. in
1: their early... Like, why they have it, yeah. Just yeah. in their early so, history as a young species. They had it, they needed it, for whatever environmental reasons. And, and, and then, due to that, when it was... Uh, like, mechanically advantageous for them to have it, Um, they assigned, uh, like, a status symbol to having Mm -hmm. a bigger, better
0: uh, scorpion tail. Okay. And then that just carried through their culture. That makes sense. I I also have the idea that maybe it actually isn't such a bad idea now that I'm looking at an Andalite. Mm -hmm. Because the eye stocks allow them to look behind that so they might not be predatory creatures instead they might be prey mm-hmm. so my I, the idea is is that like well they're really
1: meant to yeah be like, they do have a lot of combinations it sounds like they have like prey sort of features and predator features and scavenger features
0: yeah so, but uh, but yeah yeah I guess so oh, I guess it's not so incredibly weird to have this as like a vestigial structure of when you know you didn't want creatures coming up from behind you so you mm-hmm. had this kind of sharp blade like tail right that makes sense okay fine how did tell telepath- telepathic then <laughs> i I had an idea
1: okay but I, That's good I
0: already know it won't work so, the idea I had was...
1: <laughs> Solid start. Let's start there. We'll build off of it.
0: <laughs> the, the idea I had was, maybe they're not telepathic, but maybe it's like a body language kind of thing. Where, like, mm-hmm. they they just automatically have these kind of ingrained um, like visual cues that they can pick up from other creatures, other Andalites. Mm-hmm. And then that just is perceived as like a telepathy because there's really no... Uh, interaction between the two of them
1: okay, I mean, you might not be too far off like it might just be a subtle like um like visual language that yeah. is uh supplemented with pheromones or something yeah the The problem is they also talk to people, yep. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh my gosh, Uh, I hate telepathy I hate telekinesis and telepathy Why can't you just do things That actually have physical representations Like, it's not that difficult Right,
1: yeah, and it's It's difficult to see Any sort of Mechanical processes to try to explain
0: Right Um Um, Yeah, because like, unless they're like Really enormous magnets That for some reason can mess with Brain signals even
1: then, then like they would have to know very specifically how to do that to communicate to other types of brains.
0: That's that's true. Um hmm. Hmm.
1: Now are they able to just straight communicate with humans or is there a um
0: They are. Yeah.
1: Like a a time period where they're trying to figure each other out?
0: Nope. I believe there's they're almost automatically able to communicate with humans. However, I have an idea. Mm-hmm. What if you know the the earworm from the earfish from
1: The Babelfish. Yeah. Yes. From uh Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy.
0: So what if you had a a babel fish like parasite that was excreted like a like excreted by the andalites that could hijack or sit inside of your ear and and make noises based upon mm-hmm. the like pheromone or visual cues or sound pressure waves that the andalites giving off so you King, if you were to, like, see an Andalite for the first time instead of, like, a vacuum where they couldn't, mm-hmm. like, like they couldn't reach you with this kind of, I'm assuming, like, cloud of spores or something. Right. Then you wouldn't be able to hear them. But as soon as you, mm-hmm. like, breathe in that, that spore air or... It, that that you know. good, good babble spore. Yeah, yeah. Babble spore. That's pretty cool. How about that?
1: <laughs> um, I'm... Not against that. Like, it could be, um, like made specifically to task. Oh, excuse me. Specifically to task for each flavor of alien that they try to communicate with. Yeah. So they would study humans, figure out how they communicate, uh, and then. And
0: then modify their kind
1: of. Yeah, and you said they're, like, science technology based, so they could just presumably have the technology to engineer this
0: yeah yeah plus i also like the fact that they have like a cloud of spores around them because they're so like majestic it's like elves in lord of the rings we are like yeah we get it Except they
1: also have dust
0: clouds yeah except now they have just giant dust clouds where you're just like breathing in spores from them that allows them to hijack Mm -hmm. your nervous system i really like that i'm fine with that
1: yeah that works
0: next thing uh, there's a type of. I'm just going with the aliens. I love the aliens in this in these books. <laughs> we haven't even gotten to morphing. We'll get to morphing next. There's one alien. Good. That's called a hork bajir, and a hork All right. a hork bajir have they're like seven feet tall green lizards or lizard like things with beaks and. Large claws coming off of their forearms and their like shins that are used on their homeland to scrape bark off of trees that they use to eat. Okay. Um, I have two questions for you.
1: Why do they also have
0: beaks? Well, I, yeah, well, why do they also? That's one of them. Why do they have beaks (laughs) if they're eating bark? And the other one is. I mean, I guess the bark on that planet could just be particularly nutritious because I guess it's not humanoid tree. Yeah,
1: it's not necessarily tree bark. It is just some sort of bark, like uh, like surrounding material, analogous structure.
0: Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. I I I'm sorry, but but beaks. Like, do you?
1: Th- I mean, like, if they need their like bone spurs to rip off the bark. Presumably, it's a hard, fibrous thing that they really need to chomp on with that beak. Mm. Rather than grinding teeth, they just shear it or something.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I like that. Uh, I might take it one step further and say it might be that on the the underside of the bark are like Mm -hmm. seed pods. So then, their their mm, beaks mm-hmm. act like beaks do on Earth, where they're used for like specific grabbing and breaking of very hard shells.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that yeah,
0: works. That works. Cool. Wow, that was really easy. Yeah, um, no, we got one. Mm-hmm. So now comes the now comes the tough part. The the main technology in the book is their ability to morph.
1: Yeah, that one's going to be difficult. So, explain the contra- like constraints constraints of the the people morphing into animals.
0: You got it. Okay. So, the things we know about morphing. Morphing uses DNA that's stored inside their body at sub-zero mm-hmm. temperatures to make it dormant and preserve it. You get it by touching something that's called the Escaphil device, which is a blue cube and that's it. It looks kind of like the tesseract. <laughs> you can integrate skin-tight clothing into morphs. I don't know how that one's going to work out, but you can't like you can only bring your body. Right. And if you stay in a morph for longer than 2 hours, you will stay trapped in that body Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: you will not be able to morph ever again you can also not morph from a morph into a different morph so you can't go like i'm a bear now i'm a wolf it'd be like i'm a bear now, i'm a human now i'm a wolf And then the final thing is your mass. So if you're going up or down in mass, Mm -hmm. that mass comes from a place called zero space. And all zero space is described as it's the place that spaceships go when they travel faster than the speed of light. And then you retain a mental link to that kind of because your body also goes to zero space and you maintain a Mm -hmm. mental link link between the two of them so i am willing to just say that the skin-tight clothing doesn't exist that's them making the book like readable for kids (laughs) right um uh,
1: yeah i'll allow that exception good um i was okay with the idea of zero space and just saying okay it is like a buffer zone where mass and energy just exists but it also is where spaceships go which seems like a weird place unless when you morph you're taking mass from these spaceships
0: yeah uh no but you yeah, can you can interact with spaceships there's like a whole there's like a whole mythology of what happens if you, like, get hit by a spaceship while your body is in zero space.
1: Oh, wait. So you just, like, switch, like, you put your body in zero space for a minute while you borrow
0: a bear body. Yeah, and you kind of transform your mass into whatever thing you need. I think there's one thing about this. So if we accept zero space as being a higher dimension... Mm-hmm. That just gets messy. I don't like higher dimensions. They suck. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, yeah, not everything about that's rough. Because
0: there's no good way to get between them. You could say maybe like a different universe, kind of do like a Stranger Things kind of hole with it, Um, which I'm fine with. Except that, I mean, no, 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 okay, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's the universe.
1: Yeah, like, that's where I started thinking, where it's just, like, is a source of mass and energy to tap into, but I didn't really know how to follow up with it you
0: yeah know. right it's it's so tough to like how do you get there yeah we've dealt with this before where we're like well it's kind of explained by string theory that if you have a membrane you could technically punch through it but it would take like just an insane amount of energy yeah um and, and, I, and I like coming up with novel solutions to these problems this one in particular seems tough I, Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of something like, maybe, maybe it's not like, like, zero space is, is maybe like, the space between atoms, like, like, maybe they compress it down to like, like, Big Bang level, and like, you get Mm, some weird, mm -hmm. you get weird stuff happening then, but then like, how does that relate to spaceships? Um,
1: Yeah, like that really... That little tidbit through a wrench into the whole idea. Right. Really.
0: Right. Right. Okay. Let's say mm-hmm. let's say that what's well, someone that doesn't have any man photon. More but they or do less. momentum. Vacuum. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it's just so tough to go to a different dimension. I like I like a different universe. You know, we're just gonna stick with that. We're just gonna say that Yeah. that maybe ooh Ooh. Ooh. Cool idea. Okay. So, um, imagine, imagine our universe, but rewind the clock by like 10 trillion years. So we're in a much smaller universe. Now, every single one of those places in space corresponds to a different place in space that it will be 10 trillion years later. So what if Z-Space is a universe that it's far younger than our own? So Yeah,
1: so like the ship wouldn't have to physically traverse yeah. as much distance. Yeah,
0: so it only physically has to traverse, you know, maybe a light gear. But in doing so, its space travel in our universe is, you know drastically higher and if you go far enough Mm -hmm. back you get to places where like causality is kind of weird and you can go faster than the speed of light and it's kind of it's not Mm -hmm. a straight line it's more like a curve uh curved line um right so i like that idea and then and then maybe we can just do like how do you get there maybe you're not getting there like that's what it is like maybe that's what the the Escafille device allows you to do is you are able to essentially like take all of your mass and then mm-hmm. turn it into like a like an amount of energy that you can then siphon through like maybe if we're like yeah like you can siphon okay. it through a like a, a much smaller hole mm-hmm. to get into yeah, a different that universe
1: is more plausible well i mean it's (laughs) it seems more doable than just like poofing the body somewhere else
0: so then let's do like the mental link is not i'm not i'm gonna say the mental link is not from zero space that's i hate that it's bad yeah that doesn't make sense yeah and like like how would you have that good of a connection i feel like I feel like your brain is still your brain. I mean, if we're thinking of this, it's mm-hmm. like, it's like, uh, not you replacing, like swapping your body out, but instead turning it into something new. I feel like mm-hmm. the Escafil device will identify what your what your controlling body is, and it'll try and change mm-hmm. it as little as possible, which makes sense because brain cells don't uh, regenerate or change nearly as quickly as the rest of your body does Mm. so that's probably kind of how it identifies it's like okay when i change what's the things that are changing the quickest the things that are changing very slowly okay yeah.
1: yeah like yeah so they remain more constant
0: yeah and they remain more like a relatively human in brain structure if Mm -hmm. not
1: like structure chemistry yeah yeah
0: yeah. and maybe not even brain size so much i don't know how to get over like they still have their own intelligence but it might be that they don't have the capability of learning as quickly so so they still have like their Mm -hmm. human memories they still can like put things together they remember that but they don't have like like they'd have a really tough time with like object permanent and things like (laughs) yeah
1: like they can't synthesize new information yeah and yeah
0: yeah uh, and then is actually explained probably a little bit by the fact that the first time they morph into a new creature they have to like take over its brain or it'll take over them and they like act like that that's creature that's terrifying yeah yeah it's crazy and like the longer you are in a morph the more like in like takes over your brain and you become more like that animal okay that's cool um but um mm-hmm. uh how does it, uh, the DNA, how does that work?
1: Right. <laughs> yeah, you said it's like stored in the body at a temperature. At
0: sub-zero. I don't know what that means. Is that...
1: Yeah, there is a lot of... zero. zeros? Of, so, well, like sub-zero on what scale?
0: Yeah. I agree. I mean... Because
1: that makes a very big difference. I
0: think we can assume it's not Kelvin. I,
1: like, I don't know where you would keep zero Kelvin in your body. <laughs> and I do not know how you would access sub-zero Kelvin.
0: Yeah, I agree. You know, what? what is it? It's NEG-70. NEG-70 70. 70 is what most proteins are. Or is it NEG-20? Not, um... I can't remember. We should know this.
1: Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, it's kind (laughs) of similar to our jobs to know this.
0: The sub-zero. I think that has more to do with preservation, and it it keeps like the auto auto immune response down on Mm -hmm. those specific areas. Well,
1: yeah, I figured it is just somehow partitioned off. Yeah, like your the whatever cube that you had to touch. To get morphing powers, just gives you a little, like, skin pocket that you keep all <laughs> the DNA. Oh,
0: in. skin <laughs> pocket. Yeah, like, uh, they're called vesicles, aren't they?
1: Yes, actually, that is, uh,. Not as interesting as calling it a skin pocket. <laughs> I agree. I mean,
0: they pretty much <laughs> much more accurate term. <laughs> yeah. So, like, like it has like you have like vesicles just flying around your body that might have like identifiers on them. Like this is the wolf DNA that you can. Or, this is the bear one. Yeah, and so yeah, then when they touch something, the vesicles on their on their skin take take. I'm assuming epithelial cells or whatever cells are on the outside and transform them. Yeah, or it could
1: just take whatever it can and then, like, compiles the rest. Yeah, like keep what's viable and just reintegrate the rest or, like, cannibalize what isn't viable, you know?
0: Okay, yeah. And do we see a problem with them being able to call up specific animals at specific times?
1: Assuming that the technology level of the whatever aliens gave them this power is advanced enough, like that could just be a
0: an uh, an additional Like some
1: sort of like obscured computer thing that it's like they have these vesicles are
0: all indexed somehow hmm. yeah that makes so then what is the escofil device do we think it's like retrovirus that can somehow rewrite your body to create these structures is it like a really powerful radioactive thing that damages your dna in a specific way to allow this mm. to happen that's what i like because you know <laughs> i like creating bad explanations that always lead to massive amounts of cancer in the people.
1: Yeah, no, it's uh a real sunny outlook for these guys.
0: <laughs> really. That's why you don't play with alien technology.
1: Just don't touch it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like, I mean, there would have to be some way for it to
0: interface biologically. It must so, be. So, yeah. So, do we think that it is a genetic change or do you think that this is a more like a parasitic thing that just lives in the body and then control it. I I like I don't I'm not like, sure yeah you
1: know, I don't it's not
0: necessarily like a parasitic thing. I mean I like the idea that it's like it's like a virus that you pick up that's rewriting mm-hmm. your DNA and that you're yeah.
1: I mean like is it rewriting the DNA or are you just morphing to a different type of mass?
0: I think you're morphing to a different type of man.
1: Right, so you're not necessarily, like, turning into yeah. oh, that yeah. bear. There's
0: not really... I mean, you are turning into a bear, kind of.
1: Well, yeah, but you're not, like, not at a genotypic...
0: Oh, you know, at, I don't Quick, know. we
1: gotta make those bear proteins right now.
0: You know, you know? I don't... Yeah, I can see the thing at your time. I can see the problem is that, like, if you're changing someone's physical genes at the time, that's kind of a problem. But if you're not, then yeah. what's going... How are they morphing? This is a really slow <sighs> episode, but it's so difficult.
1: It is. Uh, well, I feel like there's enough editing that you can get something serviceable out of it. Yeah, I mean... Um yeah maybe it like there's just a section of zero space that is like the the anamorph buffer that uh, like calls upon whatever mass you need based on like the genetic imprint that you have in those uh, vesicles from touching it.
0: Yeah, well i like that i like that i i I know what you're you're kind of saying here is that what you store in your body is not actually the dna the thing you store in your body is the index to the dna in zero space right yes and then zero
1: space 3d prints whatever DNA you picked up yeah
0: and so it could even have like it has essentially like embryonic like it like it grows or yeah but it it grows yeah. the creature in zero space mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then once it's there and it knows where it is you just kind of swap it out for your body parts right yeah, yeah I yeah, like that I like that too that makes a lot more sense not a crazy amount of sense. Because of how we describe (laughs) zero space, you were into a little bit of issues, but I think that works Mm -hmm. better. Uh, Especially when you kind of think about the fact that, like, how they morph, that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. I guess it just has to be like, like, what you have in you is just directions on how to rebuild the mass and cells you're already receiving from zero space. Mm -hmm. And so I guess there is the DNA, because it's just, how do we rebuild this? And then, right. I mean, we could even do that. The Escafil device is like nanobots, like it's like an actual microscopic mm-hmm. mechanical, probably biologic creature that is just very efficient at its job of replacing and rebuilding cells from like muons and mm. quarks. Mm-hmm. Which is right. it seems yeah. like it would take a long time, but. Maybe if you have like trillions of them inside of you and they're all the size of, but less than the size of a cell, then that's mm-hmm. kind of what it does. So it just, it takes all these like subatomic particles and then slowly builds them up inside your body. That that makes some mm-hmm. sense to me. And what you're like trading with zero space are just subatomic particles or, mm-hmm. you know, maybe just pure energy that you, that you just have like a, uh, like you know what to go back to it it's another compression issue where yeah you have like the you have the codex to how to read that file type and you're just rebuilding you're just you're just uncompressing the data that was just compressed mhm so you're probably not getting everything you probably have like you know a couple of problems with your creature that's being built
1: <laughs> but it gets you most of the way there yeah
0: it probably gets you close enough
1: you know okay yeah that seems like a much more in-depth explanation than we than ever go into what the books give us yeah i don't know if it's better but it is more involved
0: <laughs> i think it's better i i always think more involved is better because Even if you're, like, swinging wildly at quantum mechanics, at least you're trying.
1: Eventually, you'll be right, depending on how long we research quantum mechanics. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you're really bad (laughs) at
0: writing science fiction, and you don't know how the science part of it, just wait, you know, 20 years, and then people will think your science fiction is quaint. Right, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) That's all you have to do. Anyway... I think that's everything I had, but we did not do a lot. Yeah, I think
1: we covered, yeah, aside from whatever robots, but we can just assume that, like, those are robots. Yeah,
0: and we're not even going to get into taxons, which are, like, these, like, bug creatures that eat everything. They're crazy. They're aliens. They're just aliens. They actually exist. Like they make Space locusts. Yeah, they're space locusts. Actually, that's a pretty good description of them. But they're, like, space <laughs> locusts that are, like, eight feet long. They're just from a highly oxidated planet, and they breathe through their skin. Anyway. Sure. Thanks for listening to our podcast.
1: Rate and review us on, I was going to say YouTube. You can do that, (laughs) too. Uh, Also, iTunes would be great. Yep. Uh, Or Stitcher. Tell your friends about us. Or
0: any of the other podcasts podcatchers
1: yeah any place that you listen to podcasts you can probably find us yeah
0: yeah wherever we're everywhere. spotify you should listen to us we're also on youtube you know i realize the call to actions make much sense why because you have already found us what you should really do is like and subscribe.
1: take your friend's phone and subscribe yeah. them to us yeah
0: that's exactly what you should do you should give them give them the phone and be like hey have you ever wanted a really bullish white guy tell another white guy that all of his ideas are bad? You should listen to this podcast. Uh,
1: yeah, that's a great selling point, I, I think. think.
0: I think that's the best selling point. I get to be mean to Jeff. <laughs>
1: what else? Go to our on. website, pedanticandwavium.com. Give us suggestions. Yeah,
0: you can also email us at pedanticandwavium.com.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, contact at dark. That's what it
0: is, yeah. It's on our website. Thanks to Joe Sobchak for our theme music. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm. And, uh, uh, that's it. Yeah. Have a good day. Me too.
1: Uh, <laughs> or, well, I was talking to the audience. Oh. I don't care what you do, well, Simon. Well,
0: oh, this is a little, little me. I uh, mean... Have
1: a good day, depending on where you're listening. Good night. Sweet dreams. We love you. Uh, Have a great day at work. Well, I respect you as a friend. (laughs)
0: Um, I want to keep this platonic between us, listener. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that
1: about covers it.
0: Yeah, it does. Goodbye. Uh, I'm, I'm Simon. And I'm Jeff.